And we're back here on Unusual Sources, 93.3 CFMU, broadcasting to Hamilton at 93.3 on the FM dial and the rest of the world via our streaming service online. That's at cfmu.ca. Check out the new website. It's got a page for us, Unusual Sources. You can look us up on the show's page and archived programs are there, including the Transit Talk episodes. And we're on Kojiko Channel 222 as well. Um, so uh, today, as I said, we have a special guest in the studio with us today, and that is Rabbi David Miviser with Independent Jewish Voices Canada. So, David, thanks very much for joining us right here in the studio. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I love it. I, we, it's always better to have people right here with us, uh, not just for sound quality, but it's easier to converse. And we don't get hit with long-distance charges anymore. We're not allowed to use the phones for long-distance charges after all the calls we made. So that's... <laughs> I had to travel the long distance to get here. I'm actually from Vancouver. Right. Okay. So it is a long-distance call. Um, well, David, actually, yes, there's a very good point you make. Um, you have... you. I saw you described in one of the articles I was reading as um, a, a rabbi now based in Hamilton, yeah. um, which is true. Um, and you are doing a lot of activism out there in BC, and now you're here, and you've given a real shot in the arm to the activities of Independent Jewish Voices Hamilton, which has done a number of activities in the last few months. Um, I actually missed one of them. Um, I was not here. I was out of country, and we didn't cover it on the show. Uh, you know, but before we talk about today's subject, which is um, this incredible campaign you've got going with regard to the Jewish National Fund and what Independent Jewish Voices is doing, um, there was this event in December, which um, I know some people I know helped advertise, but um, we didn't get to talk about it. You had a sort of thing going on, lights for Gaza. It had to do with the Jewish celebration at that time of year, but also was specifically directed towards the children in Gaza. So what is it that you're trying to do uh, with that, that uh, initiative uh, back in December? Yeah, so very specifically, it was raising money to buy small solar lamps that are like handheld lamps that are powered by solar power for children in Gaza. And the reason that's important is because the electrical system in Gaza is down most of the time. People in Gaza have very few hours of electricity per day, and they don't even know when it's going to be. So, you know, there's something like two million people really trapped in Gaza. They cannot get out. And it's, uh, it's really like a large open-air prison. I've lately been thinking of it very seriously like a concentration camp. Palestinians are concentrated in there, and they can't get out. They can't control so much about their own lives, even like what food they get to eat, building materials, medicine, so on and so on and so on. So also, they don't have electricity more than a few hours a day. So there's hundreds of thousands of little children who are in the dark at night. And I have been involved with, you can say, kind of political advocacy, trying to do things to bring more justice to Palestine and things like that for years and years. And I feel like so often it feels either futile or very long term, you know, maybe one day this will work. And I started feeling like I have to do something to just help people. So there is an organization in California called the Rebuilding Alliance. And I'm saying it's slow and clear, so everybody can look it up on the web if they want, the rebuildingalliance.org. And they are among the uh, organizations that are able to get things into Gaza, and they've bought tens of thousands of these little solar lamps that a kid can hold in their hand and walk around their house, do their homework, 
Of course, the whole rest of the family can too, you know, uh, make dinner, wash dishes, whatever's going on. They need light. And they're relatively inexpensive, like 20 or $25 each. So that's the wind-up. What you asked is, what did we do? So there's a Jewish holiday called Hanukkah that comes at the darkest time of the year uh, around the winter solstice. And one of the things we do for Hanukkah is we light candles, one more candle every night for eight nights. So it's increasing the light in the dark. And we thought, what a good thing to do to have a Hanukkah party and ask people to donate to buy these little solar lamps so that we can increase the light in the dark for children in Gaza. And actually, we did that last year in Vancouver. And then this year, Independent Jewish Voices in Canada did it in four different cities. We did it in Vancouver, Hamilton, Montreal, and Ottawa. And all together, uh, we raised several thousand dollars that provides um, a few hundred of these little lamps for children in Gaza. That's what we did. You know, it's a very sensitive and well-conceived event. And I say it's sensitive because we've shown several dozen films about Gaza in uh, Hamilton as part of various film series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of them are focused on the children in Gaza and the various occupied territories. And one thing that we see in common that stands out is they lack the very essentials. Every single thing we take for granted is being denied to them. They don't have reliable electricity. They don't have reliable access to health care. They, they don't have schooling that is funded in any reasonable way. They don't have reliable access to decent food all the time. It, it, and much of the time is spent, especially after these recent conflicts, sitting in these burned out, bombed out, former towns and villages uh, with not a, not a whole lot of things to do, ditches from bombs full of water. And, you know, it's, it's, it's worse than third world conditions in many cases. So um, getting even some access to reliable lighting is meaningful and important to those recipients. And also to tie it to a Jewish holiday represents what we've been seeing more and more in Canada, which is there are progressive Jewish organizations that want to bring Judaism back towards um, what, what the kind of social justice and rebuilding efforts that you're referring to and reminding people that th- there doesn't have to be the kind of relationships that exist, uh, th- this, this alleged dichotomy between Jews and Arabs, this, this, this sort of false dichotomy right. that has been created, and, and the religion can be used for positive aspects. And so, um, you know, it's part of a much larger thing that's going on in the English-speaking world, if you look at the UK and the US and Canada, which is there are the emergence of these progressive Jewish organizations. Independent Jewish Voices has been growing, and we've been covering it on this program for a decade. I spoke a few months ago with some of the young people who are doing so much to help uh, expand the efforts of Independent Jewish Voices right now. you know, they told me privately, uh, they said, well, you're really lucky. You've got David Mivisair in Hamilton now that you can, you'll be able to do more things. And certainly there have been more things happening. And uh, you've been involved in this extraordinary campaign that Independent Jewish Voices has been pursuing for a while. And that has to do with the, the JNF, the Jewish National Fund. Now, you know, I, I'm not going to give a lecture on this, but basically for people who might have just been tuning in, they don't know about this. Uh, what's the JNF? and Why is it a problem that it's had a charitable status in Canada? That's a good question. So JNF is the Jewish National Fund, and um, I'll I'll just say what it is and where it came from, what it does. So about 115 or 120 years ago, 
um, an organization was created at a time when most Jews in the world lived in very oppressive conditions. There were millions and millions of Jews who lived in Eastern Europe in, I would say, dire poverty and also subjected to horrible oppression, just like marauding armed bands would come into their villages and kill people. It was terrible. So the Zionist movement started with the idea of creating a homeland for the Jews in the land of Israel, which is in the Bible. That's where the Jews came from. It's the place the Jews prayed to be able to go. It's even, uh, you just talked about this holiday of Hanukkah. So that's where Hanukkah took place more than 2,000 years ago. So the Jews should be able to go back there. And this early Zionist movement around 1900 created an organization it called the Jewish National Fund that people could donate money to, literally like nickels and dimes, but they didn't have nickels and dimes in Poland and Russia. They had other things. But uh, collect the money and collectively buy land. And some Jews could go and live on that land. And actually, I would say that's a fairly idealistic thing. It actually isn't private land ownership. It's not capitalist. It's very collective. And um, I think if something like that was happening today, I would support it. And actually, in fact, I used to support that when I was a lot younger. But what happened, they bought land little by little, and it turned into something that became very, very oriented toward um, cleaning out the people that already lived there, which today we call them Palestinians. I think around 1900, they were just... People who live there, Arabs, the whole Middle East is filled with people who speak Arabic. Some are Muslim, some are, are Christian, some have other religious orientations. But the Jewish National Fund started this attempt really at ethnic cleansing. This is written down. It's in, it's in diaries of people, even the director of the Jewish National Fund from the late 19 like around 1945, 46. His name was Yosef Weiss. He had a whole plan to how to empty out Arab villages, how to demolish their villages, wipe, the, wipe them off the face of the earth, literally. And in 1948, when the British withdrew from mandate Palestine that they were given by the League of Nations, this was after World War II, the United Nations was founded, the United Nations voted to partition the land, and the British were going to give up this mandate and withdraw. War broke out. During the course of that war, the Jews managed to get a lot of Palestinians out, like 750,000 of them, from villages and towns and even urban neighborhoods. And then all of a sudden, there was all this like kind of empty land. And the state of Israel that was founded at that time said, oh, these are absentee landlords. Somebody owns it, but they're not here. So they, they gave that land to the Jewish National Fund to manage, supposedly, on behalf of the absentee landlords. Then after a few years, oh, these people are not coming back. Of course, they couldn't come back. Israel wouldn't let them come back. Some of them tried to come back, and they were just shot on sight and killed. So I'm just going to be kind of quick about it and say in the 1950s, the Jewish National Fund came to own outright something like 13 or 16% of all the land in Israel and control 
about 90% of the land in Israel. And by its own charter, that land is exclusively for the use of Jews. It is land that the Jewish National Fund owns or manages for Jews. And if you're not a Jew, which fortunately I am, but if you're not, you cannot lease it, you can't rent it, you can't use it. So it's very exclusive. In our language today, we might say it's racist. And it also contributes to, not contributes to, it does. It, it demolishes villages, it pushes people out of their homes, and it literally wipes them off the face of the earth. These, the sign that there was ever a village there. And then they, they very often plant forests on the rubble of these destroyed villages. So if you go back, let's just say 10 years later, it looks like a nice young forest, and you don't realize that there was someone's home there. Yeah. So wait a minute. So let me. I'm just going to wrap up what you were asking. This organization still collects donations, and in a number of countries around the world, including Canada, the donations you get a tax exemption for it. It has charitable status. So a person in Canada could donate like a million dollars to the Jewish National Fund and not have to pay taxes on the right. million dollars, right? So there's an obvious problem there that the Jewish National Fund is doing things that are not only unethical, but they actually violate Canadian tax law. Yes. You're not allowed to do these things and give tax receipts for destroying people's villages, for excluding one ethnic group and allowing another one. The Canadian tax law is very clear. You're not allowed to do that and give tax receipts. But yeah. in Canada, the JNF has charitable status, and it does that. So many tragic stories contained in what Rabbi Mivaser just said. Um, for those who are just listening, of course, uh, we're speaking with Rabbi David Mivaser from Independent Jewish Voices, talking about a campaign that's going on. We'll be learning about that campaign right now, because as you said, David, there was these... Um, Numerous accounts, when you read about this issue uh, on Independent Jewish Voices website, they have a nice section for the JNF, um, and, and news articles, there are people who, very young age, were donating to the JNF. Just like you said, nickels and dimes going around with a collection box, donate to the Jewish National Fund, had these idealistic notions of what it was, yeah. and then they themselves learned later what it really was and became upset. Uh, one person who's been upset for a while, according to the CBC article uh, that came out, uh, there's that Dr. Ishmael Zaid. Um, he apparently had been petitioning um, to have a review of the charitable status um, uh, for about 40 years. He's been, right. So he, he, he's been for four decades saying, hey, wait a minute, the JNF is for Jews only land, and you, you can't have a charity that's like racist, like you said, That's you can't right. do that. So um, the Independent Jewish Voices has been working on this issue, um, and I, there, there's been a number of campaigns. So if uh, at the beginning of the year, my email inbox exploded because I, I'm on the Independent Jewish Voices mailing list, and I suddenly saw that the, the JNF was now being reviewed by the, 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 the government the, and the, the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency. And uh, there had been some other related stories, and uh, suddenly all these emails were uh, coming in, and it made clear that um, there's been a new initiative um, or a recent initiative by yourself and some other people to challenge the JNF uh, based on information that was uncovered in the last few years, more about uh, the JNF is involved with the Israeli military. So can you tell us, what is this, this initiative that's been happening that you've been involved with? Okay, well, f um, first of all, uh, Dr. Ismail Zaid was born in a village that was conquered by Israel in 1967. The people in the village never fired a shot. They didn't resist. 
And after Israel conquered the village, the JNF brought in bulldozers and just totally bulldozed it. It's gone. Like there were homes, mosques, churches, schools, stores, it's all gone. And this is 1967, and they planted a forest on top of it, and they call it Canada Park. And that was funded by donations from Canada. So Dr. Zaid, who is a retired physician, and he lives in Halifax, like you said, for 40 years, he's been writing to the Canada Revenue Agency, the CRA, about this and got absolutely nowhere. So in October 2017, he and I and two other people filed a formal complaint with the Canada Revenue Agency. We detailed in an 88-page document, completely drawn from Jewish National Fund sources. We didn't I mean, you said we uncovered things. It's been available. It's just right there in their own sources. I would say more we compiled it. We looked at Canadian tax law. There's five different provisions of tax law that they're constantly violating. We documented it. We filed it. We personally went to Ottawa and met with the director of compliance in the charities division named Robert Delaney, gave it to him, talked with him for two hours. That was in October 2017. We don't see any outcomes of that whatsoever. So in early January, we filed a formal legal parliamentary petition. And I say we, actually we initiated it, but it had to be submitted by a member of parliament. And what a parliamentary petition does, it's a great kind of new thing we have in Canada. If 500 Canadians sign it within 120 days, it gets submitted to parliament and parliament has to consider it and the government is obliged to respond to it. So we wanted to get 500 signatures and we got that within 24 hours. We went up in parliament website about 11.30 on one morning, and before 11.30 the next morning, we had the 500 signatures. And this is a petition asking the Minister of National Revenue to do an audit of the Jewish National Fund and revoke its charitable status. I want to say it's fake, it's bogus, it's undeserved charitable status. There's... It, so th so there's a petition, like I just said, we got the 500 signatures, it's on Parliament's website, it will be reported to Parliament after 120 days, that'll be in May 2019, but the more signatures on it, the more weight it will have, and I feel very um, pessimistic about this petition in and of itself moving the Minister of National Revenue to actually do this. I think the government will likely finesse it. They'll respond by saying something, but they won't really do much about it. So instead of having 500 signatures, if we had 5,000 signatures, it would demonstrate to members of parliament and to the Minister of National Revenue that Canadians actually are losing faith that the government is dealing with organizations in an impartial way. Like the Canada Revenue Agency is not enforcing our tax laws in a very political way. Some organizations get cracked down on and put out of business. 
and others are just allowed to go on violating the law. So this, so for people to sign the petition is a way to demonstrate that they care about this and they want our government to enforce our law. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you feel pessimistic about it, but this is more progress than has happened in years. And it's thanks to independent Jewish voices, Jewish people working together with Palestinian diaspora and other people here in Canada. So that's right. that is a pleasing result in and of itself. And that's right. You know, I, there's been greater awareness raised, and there's been seemingly these other effects. I know that there was another charity, the the Beth Oleth Charitable Organization, yep. that's being reviewed now. They might looks like they were giving charity to the Israeli armed forces, construction infrastructure projects, and you're not supposed to do that, obviously. It's not charitable donation to give money to a foreign military, but that's been going on, apparently, as well. So, I mean, you got to admire the chutzpah of at least the JNF that gives all these gala dinners, you know, and they go around, oh, you know, Hamilton, Toronto, suit and tie, you know, and uh, 24 Sussex Drive. Meanwhile, they're in contravention of Canadian law for 40 years, contravention of international law. Um, you know, Ishmael Zaid pointing that out, but it was a kind of a more lone voice than he is now. And uh, so, you know, that's why we have that's to work right. together on this. That's exactly right. Thank you for saying that. And I am, I am confident that if we keep it up, more and more people will learn about it. One of my hopes is that it'll become uh, something that the donors will, they'll feel ashamed. Like I used to give to it. I'm, I'm a rabbi. I used to speak about it from the pulpit in a synagogue, encouraging people to support it. The more I learned, the more I started questioning, and eventually I got to like a breaking point where I just can't do this anymore. So I don't know what the government's going to do. I don't, I don't think our government is actually very concerned about justice and ethics, but people can um, kind of defund it by stopping their I, donations. And yeah. another, th I mean, I, I want to get as many signatures on this petition as possible. I'd like to just say what people can do. So any Canadian citizen anywhere in the world and anyone who's a legal resident of Canada, just go to the, the website of Parliament, Canada, Parliament, whatever website, look for the e-petitions, and this one is number E-1999. 1999. And just, you have to sign it. And if you sign it, you'll increase the the influence that it'll have. You had a Quebec MP uh, That's sign right. on to that. That's right. Yeah. Um, because uh, what I, I'm glad you mentioned this because I, where can people go? Because I know, like if they, there's probably direct links to this. I imagine the Independent Jewish Voices website is telling people where to where to go on that petition. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll say where to go. Yeah. So um, if you want to, not just the petition, but if you want to learn more, I mean, nobody should do anything just because I said so, not even because uh, Brandon Stone said so. Go and learn about it. So go to www.stopthejnf.ca, stopthejnf.ca, and you can see our entire 88-page document that we submitted to the Canada Revenue Agency. You can see links to many other organizations. You can learn a lot. And there's a link to the parliamentary petition website. And I said to Brendan before this program began, I don't want to just talk about it. I'm looking for behavioral outcomes. I, I am hoping, you know, that because we're talking about it today, the number of signatures on that petition is going to go up. Well, I think you know? we can help get this around. For example, in the anti-war coalition, we had uh, a petition for Ahed Tamimi, you know, backing her cause. And actually, that got around. And uh, I think with the events that are coming up and uh, website updates, we can put more reference to this petition. 
repetition. I think you know, if it can make a difference to have 5,000 instead of 500 people, we want people to go. Uh, so this is this is like a motion or a movement. It's uh, what, uh, E1999, E1999. That's it. It happens to be 1999. That's yeah, just what it is. It's really easy to remember. So If we, you go there, you'll see petitions about all kinds of things that Canadians want their government to do. Some petitions have like, you know, six signatures. Few of them have over a thousand. And last time I looked, we are over 1,800. And uh, so it would just be helpful. It would be helpful to have Canadians of all walks of life, all ages, you know, to sign. And on what you mean, I am motivated by wanting justice for Palestinians. I'm very motivated by that. But you could not care at all about Palestinians and care only about the impartial enforcement of Canadian tax law. For one organization to violate the law for years and years and years and get away completely free, they raise about $30 million a year. Their donors take that off their taxes, and they just get away with that year after year after year. You could do this just on the basis of our government needs to enforce our laws. It's not fair to not do that. Yeah, the CBC article that came out around January 4th or so, it was even-handed but still pretty scathing about just how seemingly illegal this all was, you know? And, I mean, that's now it's caused quite a stir. This, this whole thing, I mean, with the, the, the after-effects on other related charities and so on, it's, it's amazing to watch, and it all happened very quickly. So I think it's something we want to be involved in. I can help put out the word, and we can mention it more, that people should be involved in e nineteen ninety nine and they should be signing that petition. And I know David, you know, you feel a little like the Canadian government isn't so interested in justice, and that's probably the case. But the the pattern overall is that the Canadian people have been well ahead of the political leaderships in all of the parties. Um, some parties are more responsive than others. The Greens and, to an extent, the NDP have been listening a bit. Uh, but, you know, um, it, within the NDP, for example, we've had a lot of discussions about how the membership has been much more pro-Palestine in terms of looking at ending the occupation. The leadership has been so slow to move, and, and there's going to have to be movement at in leaderships or on the political scene at some point to reflect all this. That's so true. So you just mentioned the NDP. So the member of parliament who submitted this petition, otherwise it wouldn't be there, is the NDP critic for national revenue. He's the NDP MP who's supposed to be on top of what's up with our taxes. And he's doing his job. I know, right? This is it. His his name is Pierre-Luc Dussault. And uh, he's, he was, I think, the youngest person ever elected to parliament. I think he was 19 when he was elected, which is just neither here nor there. It's, it just says something about him as a person. But so I would assume he didn't make that decision on his own to do that. He probably discussed it with some of the NDP leadership. And in the past, the NDP has had leadership that I think would have suppressed this. And now the NDP leadership is not exactly jumping up and down, waving a, a banner for us, but they're letting this go on, at least. And that does show movement in Canadian politics. So hopefully, you know, if enough people uh, express themselves about it, the political leadership will realize this is a smart thing for them to, to go with. And I even, I mean, with all my cynicism about the Liberal Party that's in power now, I think if they saw Wow, 5,000 people signed this petition. Oh, yeah, it's really important that we have fairness in our enforcement of tax laws. So they'll all of a sudden kind of jump on the bandwagon and enforce it.
Well, you know, there are times when it's worth getting involved in the political sphere and talking to the politicians, and there have been successes on Palestine. So let's watch it unfold. Be sure to go to the Independent Jewish Voices website because it does have an excellent section and even a video about the JNF. Try to get on the mailing list. Uh, all sorts of amazing updates. This campaign started to move fast at the beginning of this year. So we will give you links to the petition or how you can get involved in that on the online program. So again, Rabbi Mivisar, thanks very much for coming and joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much.